You come to me on the day of this wedding and ask me to take care of the boys who made your brother cry? Um, no. Dill uh, just wants a new binky. That's it! A binky? I don't get to squeeze no one's head or pull no one's hair? Uh, no. <laughs> from the legit to the bit sus and today we'll be heading into the animated lights um, of Paris with us Hurtado special uh, with Disney's Aristocats from not from 1970 and Rugrats go to Paris from 2000 and of course you all know my guest because he's amazing because um, he is the Hurtado special he's the host of the inside the sequel uh, podcast and also Hurtastic reviews of course it's Chris Hurtado hey how's it going hey thank you so much for the introduction Lindsay I uh, I'm so excited to be back on here this is like next to the film feast I, I can just kind of chill and have a good time um, I'm so excited to be on here for this double feature this is this is what the podcast should be all about is just these uh, old animated and like 2000s animated movies I'm so excited for it <laughs> oh no so was I as soon as you sort of pitched this double I sort of looked at it and went well of course um <laughs> this makes perfect sense because it took me I, I saw the double and went huh okay oh well, no it's absolutely perfect and especially because it's you and you are such an um animation um fan and nerd and you actually sort of understand the stuff a lot and and love it i just went well of course this makes perfect sense aristocat and rugrats how could it not and when you watch it you're like oh no this absolutely fits and it's in a really fascinating double and hornier than you think it's gonna be so it's actually like of course of course uh, chris picked this i love it <laughs> yeah like I I, I I like i said the double features things is not my cup of tea but it's like if you, you know, I can scheme some up, but I just need somebody to like stick with me to like venture through them for something like this is a tall order. But like, yeah, I, I would do this double feature every weekend if I could. I bet I did a few times as a kid too. Oh, it would not surprise me. It kind of reminded me of um, those double features you'd have as a kid when you'd go to the video store, um, pick out when you're really young, pick out a few things and then come back and sit down and just have this sort of double feature. And it was just the either your greatest hits from your favorites or it would just be this kind of random combination of things that you really love that you kind of pick out two movies and um and just go for it so yeah i was really looking forward to um getting into this um only because um i've not been recording for about a month and you're the first guest i've had back on since then which fits because you were my first ever guest for schlock and Orr as well yeah, people forget that sometimes, you know, it's like I, I'm a legitimate podcaster now. I don't I don't just put out whatever for the Internet and see if it sticks and, uh, you know, make the Internet mad with these insane opinions that I have, which aren't really that insane. But, 
you know, it is what it is. But I am excited for you to be back because you were really killing it um, last month when you had like Carmelita, the double features you were having, the conversations, and the like. The guests you had were amazing too. Uh, but like we said, like Carmelita, you had Mitch Oliver, who, um, you know, I'm a big fan as the next person with Mitch Oliver. He's all right. Like, you know, if you get him, like you're doing something okay. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, it's a building block kind of. <laughs> um guest you'll want until you can get some of the heavier hitters but uh, <laughs> but uh, i was uh, I, it was a very entertaining month and uh yeah thanks uh to, to thinking about bringing me back for this one um these two movies really like mean a lot to like me mm. growing up and when you said like you know those weekend double features totally like even like before i could even go to like the video store and like pick out movies whatever we had these on vhs and i would just wake up on Saturday mornings right after the cartoons would end. You just threw in, I just would always throw in a VHS or even before cartoons started, I'd wake up at like six or 7 AM and like put one of the movies in and start watching it, you know? <laughs> no, cause that brings up a really interesting point because usually when I think about these double features, I usually think about these as kind of vaguely midnight doubles and this mm-hmm. still could work as a midnight double. I would, I mean, especially Aristocats gets very, very trippy at, at points. Uh, same mm-hmm. with, Rugrats, actually, now that I think about it. Um, <laughs> but these are the kind of the things that when you were a kid, you'd wake up six o'clock in the morning, um, everyone's still asleep, especially in my house, because I had a much older brother and sister, so they were definitely not going to be getting up to watch cartoons. And I would just make my way, um, either put on a VHS that we still had, because um, we didn't really own that that many. So it was usually whatever we had from the, the weekend rental or um, what was ever on TV. So it was always like the Muppets, um, all these kind of really old, early 80s, <laughs> mid-80s <laughs> cartoons. And that's kind of – most kids have that memory of just getting up, sitting down, and just watching whatever they had in front of them or whatever VHS they could grab onto. And these are both those kind of movies. And also, speaking of killing it, I just wanted to say I have been loving the last month of um, Inside the Sequel. I mean, just the kind of sequels you've been picking, um, especially the last episode with Daniel with mm-hmm. um oh shoot what was it i can now i'm having a mental <laughs> oh <What>? hellboy 2 <laughs> hellboy 2 yes that was such a great one and you won with um mitch again um when you boys get together it's usually just like a a party and i yeah you've been really really going for it and i love it i've been loving it thank you i, I i'm i'm pleasantly surprised to know that that the twitterverse uh film twitter loved uh my uh, very sad tragic dating life from high school with that Mitch <laughs> Oliver episode. There was a lot that was probably next to the fantasy Oscars episode. That was my, maybe one of my most heavily edited just due for the amount of like crude jokes and an insane amount of vomiting in the background. Cause we drank so much. Um, the cinema drunkie himself would have been proud and I hope he would be. Oh, I'm sure he would be. Um, no, I'm sure that you did. It was a particularly uh, chunky episode, that one. Um, but no, it was absolutely great. And it, again, reminded me back to those really awkward teenage dating when you go to the movies. <laughs> and I was just like going, oh, I, I know. I, I, I've been there. I know this. <laughs> oh, other people had those too? I, I wasn't sure. I oh. thought some people like just went out okay and they didn't have to, you know, make themselves happy and watch Endicondas too like I did growing up. <laughs> Oh, no, it wasn't Anaconda 2 because it was a bit earlier. But, no, I remember those very awkward dating. It was because I because I guess where I grew up, you went to the movies for your first date or you went to a park. It was one of the two. <laughs> and um, 
<laughs> was here drinking in the drinking skulkily in the park or going to the movies and being awkward. Um, <laughs> that says a lot about my hometown. Um, and, <laughs> well, and hey, yeah. it could be worse. You could be taking someone to a pornographic movie and not know that that's weird. <laughs> Of a taxi driver moment. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, my favorite movie of all time because I relate to that so much, honestly. So yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? It's European. <laughs> you know, I am starting to get into some tasteful vintage porn, um, a la Vinegar Syndrome, just really tempted me there. So no, one of these days we'll have a, no... a we'll have one of those adult sequel movies on inside the sequel. I don't I... know which one I want yet, but um, I'm still researching. Uh, Mike and Anthony would be very proud. <laughs> Actually, it might need Daniel for that one since he worked at Family Video and they had an adult section in the back. Maybe he has some research tips for me. And maybe he may have hit him up for some. Um, <laughs> just... <laughs> oh, perfect. Um, and with that, we'll be getting into our very G-rated double feature, though, as you said. Hornier than you think it's going to be with with these two. Um, and, surprisingly so, yes. Yeah, it's really surprisingly so. I was just like going, I do not remember Aristocats being this horny, but it is. And with that, we're going to be getting into Aristocrats. Okay, so, Chris, we're going to be uh, sitting down on the floor for the 6 a.m. Um, double feature. What would the first trailer that you would uh, be showing for the Aristocrats? So for Aristocat cats excuse me it's a um, say yeah <laughs> the ones i would show and i feel like this is a cheat but it has to be said it has to be ratatouille don't look at me like that you're the one who was getting fancy with the spices i need this job i've lost so many i don't know how to cook and now i'm actually talking to a rat as if you did you not you understand me I can't cook, but you can, right? Look, don't be so modest. You're a rat for Pete's sake. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? We just need to work out a system so that I do what you want. Stop that! Stop what? Stop that! Clicking me out! Ooh. I want to make things, Dad. Stay away from the humans. It's dangerous. Now shut up and eat your garbage. Um, yes. To be the first one. I mean... I think it fits for Aristocats because it's the opposite. It's the mice, you know, the rat yeah. with the cat. And um, it takes takes place in the same place. Um, I feel like as a kid, after you, if I was seeing a trailer for Ratatouille and I was watching Aristocats, cats, I'd just be like, wow, Paris is maybe the coolest place ever, you know? You do get that vibe. And the thing I love about Ratatouille is it does make Paris the coolest place Um on, look like the coolest place on earth, like Aristocats. Um, and yeah, because it's just all food and passion and following your dreams and beautiful architecture. And and yeah, and um, so yeah, that's absolutely perfect. And it is a gorgeous looking movie. I think I watched it again last year after going, oh yeah, it's a Pixar that I like a thing. And then I watched it again, which usually happens with Pixar. And then I'm like, oh, this is this isn't a nearly a masterpiece. Okay, yeah, I get why this is always at the top of the thing because it is just so amazingly beautiful to look at. And it's just got that sentimentality mixed really well with um, with everything else. And I think Pete Doctor, who directed that one, does a really particularly good job out of the Pixar guys of actually melding those two. Yeah, it's my favorite Pixar movie by far, and it's uh, exactly what you said. It's just the animation's gorgeous. It's 
I don't know, like movies that take place in Paris for me, I don't know, all my life I've always thought that's the that's the one European country I want to visit. So it's like if a movie has that, um, you know, it's it's a plus in my book. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, exactly. And it is such a beautiful city. I went for something similar, though. I kind of wanted to mix up the trailers um, a little bit. So if we're if we're doing a G-rated movie, I wanted to show a movie that introduces a little bit of culture into it and something that might be um, still kind of very safe but a little bit more adult. So, of course, I'm going for Richard uh, Linklater. I'm going for Before Sunset from 2004. Mm. They are about to meet for the first time since. Hi. Hello. I can't believe you're here. Well, I live here in Paris. I wanted to talk to you for so long, you know, that now... Me too. How long do we have? 20 minutes and 30 seconds? Let's go. go. (laughs) We got more than that. Now they have one afternoon to find out if they belong together. I remember that night better than I do entire years. Do I look any different? I do. I'd have to see you naked. What? Um, uh, So I love this movie. This is my favorite, um... Uh, sunset, uh, uh, sunset, or oh, sorry, before, after, whatever, uh, movie. The before trilogy, yeah. Before trilogy. Um, <laughs> this is my favorite. Um, just because midnight just breaks me every single time. Um, and it's just this gorgeous movie. They're just all they do is just walking around in Paris, talking, and it is such this gorgeous. You got the sort of the ragged muffin, Jesse. You've got um. Uh, Delphi being absolutely beautiful and sophisticated, quite like Duchess, uh, the cat. And <laughs> it's just this kind of amazing. Yeah, you look at that movie and you're like, you want to go, I would love to go to Paris. I want to go to that Paris. Because I remember the first time I went to Paris, I was really confused because it's huge and it's so easy to get lost in that you kind of get overwhelmed very, very quickly. Because everything's recognizable and really unfamiliar at the same time. It's quite of a weird experience. And but that Paris, when she knows exactly where she's going, yeah, left here, right here. It's just, I don't know, it's perfect. And I think it would be an odd, I think it would be a great trailer for what we're about to get into, even though it's not animated. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. And just like just the idea of like traveling and finding love in a European country. I yes, mean, that's also with Aristocats. Yes, exactly. Um, I remember I watched um, Before Sunrise. Uh, just before I went to Europe, and so disappointed that I didn't meet Ethan Hawke. I was expecting to be on a train, and he'd pop in and would spend the whole time in Vienna, but it never happened. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I stuck with another G-rated movie for Mm -hmm. the second trailer, Um, and but with Aristocats, it has that premise of, like, you know, people lost and needing Mm -hmm. to find a way back. And like a movie that gets and so like Thomas O'Malley steals the show, obviously as being the the guide who shows them um how to get back. Exactly. I kept thinking, like, what's a movie with like the where the guide is like the the main character? Mm. Um and obviously I had to pick Shrek <laughs> as ah! the next trailer for me. <laughs> what? Where an unlikely hero. Ah! You definitely need some tic tacs or something, because your breath stinks. Rescues a fair princess. You didn't play the dragon? It's on my to-do list. From a nasty villain. Eat me! With the help of his trusty companion. This is gonna be fun. We can stay up late, swapping manly stories, and in the morning, I'm making waffles. This summer, one name spells action. 
You're not exactly what I expected. One name spells adventure. How about him? Before this is over, I'm gonna need a whole lot of serious therapy. Um, I have actually seen Shrek a lot. I remember when that came out and kind of the thing it hit and, um, you know, we're going to tell manly stories and make waffles. That's a nice boulder. I don't know, all the donkey's lines I seem to have remembered, <laughs> but I have seen that movie a lot. And just um, that movie got quoted. I know it's got a – some people love it, some people defend it, some people think it's absolutely – don't love it anymore. So it's – I don't know if it's aged as well from back then, but – yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think Shrek was maybe the biggest thing mm. when it came out, oh, along it with his sequel. Yeah. Um, and if anything, I think people, at least at my age, there's a resurgence, a renaissance for the Shrek world and there culture. Is, yeah. I, you know, like I remember like you could get ketchup that had like the Shrek logo and it was green. You know, you could Eddie Murphy was on top of the world with that movie and he then was. things after that. Yeah. Um, sadly, Mike Myers was too, but he didn't really produce anything else really much after that. Rest in peace to the Love Guru movie. Um, and <laughs> Cameron Diaz, so I think she rode off on the sunset with the Shrek movies as well. Um, I think she did. I think it was kind of like the peak of those three actors, and I don't think they ever quite rose. Oh, Eddie Murphy's kind of had it with brilliantly with um, My Name is Dolomite, or Dolomite is my name. But um, I think you're, you're right about that. And being in a theater watching especially the first two sequels um was some of the loudest theater experiences i've ever been to because everyone was laughing like shout laughing at this thing mm -hmm. it was kind of and you didn't really see that with a lot of um animated movies or even just movies and comedies in general this kind of um barking laughter at every single thing like people were missing lines because of what they saw on screen. Everyone was absolutely, and this was just, because um, I uh, think when I saw it, I was living in Wellington. So this is when the Lord of the Rings was um, still being made. And so you have a lot of weta guys and they would go see every single animated movie because they're all mm -hmm. animated geeks. And um, yeah, just to see them laughing at it was, uh, yeah, now it's a pretty amazing memory. Yeah, and I always have to defend Shrek because of DreamWorks and their fierce competitiveness with Pixar and Disney at the time. Mm. Um, the the animation wars then. I'm like, yes, it's still like a big thing. Like, I mean, you look at like animation history. Like Disney has obviously always. Um, kind of ranked at the top but you had like um ralph baskin and in, in uh, the 60s and 70s with his animation and then uh warner brothers started getting into it with an american tale um Dumb and then the different yeah. yeah and then you get the change of like the type with like 3d animation and then mm. cell shade animation and computer generated animation and um dreamworks kind of kind of took the disney renaissance animation style and then moved it on to the 3d animation and i think really kind of rode up like rode the wave of that for a long time until Pixar started doing their new style of, uh, of animation mm. that just like really photorealistic and really hard to replicate that now. Um, but yeah, I always applaud Shrek, even though this is, we're not going to be talking about Shrek today, but I really always <laughs> applaud Shrek for kind of pushing the boundaries of animation style at, you know, at the beginning of the millennium and make it, it still holds up. They, they, they look so good as animated movies and as someone who loves animated films and the style of it, you know, I love and appreciate those DVDs that had the bonus features where you could watch them animating the movie and like doing funny gags with the animation and stuff like that. You know, I always appreciated that. So 
No, and for I those people... who think I just watch animation films for the hell of it. <laughs> no, there's this, there is a very specific art to it. And I think people forget when sh- the time Shrek came out, Disney was just starting to dip in its third golden era. Like, you know, Aladdin, Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, um, all these kind of movies. Time you get to 2000, that kind of was waning. Um, 2D animation was kind of not working as well. And they had a very specific formula. And when Shrek came along, it just kept hitting at it it was basically just kind of the punk it almost felt at the time in 2000 it almost felt like the punk rock version of animated to what all these kids (laughs) like me who had been growing up with these lion king aladdin kind of thing it was kind of like almost felt like punk rock at the time i don't think it does Mm -hmm. now like i think it's i'd look at it very very differently but at the time i was like yeah you take disney down yeah and i think that's (laughs) what trick was i think that's what its aim was yeah and it, it and it, it killed the casting. And Disney's always been great with casting, but yes. DreamWorks took the route of casting um, comedian actors in the yes. movies to make these movies funny and connecting instead of like these wholesome and great storytellings like they had in the Renaissance um, with great a triple A you know voice acting. They were like, we're going to get the night the funniest people of our time right now to voice act, and they've kind of always done that. I mean, you look at Kung Fu Panda. You get Jack Black in there, who's untouchable when that movie he still is. Oh. I mean, I feel like everyone loves Jack Black still. Mm, yes, they um, do. Yeah. Mm. Even you get over the hedge with Bruce Willis voice acting for whatever reason. That's one of those <laughs> movies where I'm like, why was Bruce Willis chosen for an animated movie? But so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> what would be your other uh, trailer? Uh, my trailer, I'm actually, yeah, I'm going to go for something a little bit different. Um, I'm going to go for a Looney Tunes cartoon. Um, only because my favorite thing about when I was a kid going to see a new, the new Disney or new whatever, that always usually play a short in front of it. And I love the the old Looney Tunes. Like, I would obsessively just watch the shorts. They used to have, like, packages of them on TV. So I'm going to go from French Rabbit from 1951. Sort of short-eared critter, ain't he, Doc? Monsieur Louis. Monsieur, what have you do with my rabbit? Your rabbit? No, 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 Monsieur Francois. The rabbit, she is mine. Au contraire, Monsieur. The rabbit is mine, not yours. If anybody was to tell me my rabbit wasn't mine, I'd tweak his little pink tomato nose. Oh, God. <laughs> Bugs Bunny is finds himself in France, and of course, two chefs uh, constantly trying to compete to try and cook bugs. But of course, it's Bugs Bunny, so uh, <laughs> dynamite and hijinks will ensue. <laughs> like, um, um, he didn't. I didn't see him dress up as a woman in this one, so which is quite rare for a Bugs Bunny cartoon. But um, <laughs> I love the idea of just yeah having. I love. Bugs Bunny. Um, I love all those old, insane, just what the stuff they used to do in those cartoons is. Again, it was kind of like the punk rock to the Disney because they would just do all the stuff that Disney would never, ever want to do. Um, and they did it brilliantly. <laughs> <laughs> I I wish I was more into Looney Tunes as a kid. I love like the Looney Tunes uh, back in action with Brendan Fraser. I love that movie. Uh, I loved Space Jam, you know, growing up too. 
but like old, the older Looney Tunes, I really never watched that much of. It's kind of like the Muppets with me too, where it's like, I know these things are super popular and a lot of people still like them, you know, but like, I didn't really get to, I never really paid as much mind to them, but I, 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 but it's weird. Cause I like, I do like watching like those old Disney cartoon shorts that came out when Looney Tunes was really popular. Yes. And then you think like Hanna-Barbera um, animation kind of tried to copy the Looney Tunes gag of comedy, um, but, but didn't really succeed. No, yeah. um, it's kind of weird because you had those three, those were the three major companies probably in the 50s and 60s, Disney, Warner Brothers, and Hanna-Barbera. And um, growing up, you always had those shorts on, all, all three of those on TV constantly. And because mm. I was just constantly had TV on the background <laughs> as a kid. Um yeah, the Muppets was huge because it was always on. Um, so constantly repeated. Those were constantly re- re- uh, those were repeated. So those were just kind of the things I used to watch a lot um, on TV, especially in on Saturday Sunday mornings. They those were the things that were constantly playing. So I think, and I knew the three different styles distinctively as a kid. And for me, the Warner Brothers was just and the Looney Tunes were just the funniest. I think I was even a few years ago decided to see watch a Roadrunner cartoon. And even though it was the same joke, just repeated again and again, <laughs> Wiley Coyote falling off a cliff is still one of the funniest things to me. And I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> the funniest thing for me with Looney Tunes is seeing like old grandmothers still wearing Tweety Bird um, sweatshirts that say like, <laughs> I have a little attitude or something like that. Yes! And I'm like, ma'am, you're 75 years old. <laughs> I guess you're not too old to be rocking Looney Tunes gear still. <laughs> no, but yeah, it's kind of that weird thing of when you see Looney Tunes as a kid, it imprints on your brain. And this is, no, they wouldn't, I think you could not get away with this today because I think cartoons tend to be, want to be more witty and sharp and kind of sneak things in. Where there's Looney Tunes, it's like, no, we are just going to be as violent and as thing as anything. And yeah. Tweety Bird's a little shit, and it always has been. <laughs> I love that about him. Um, and um, it's just kind of great. Everyone's a little stinker in a Looney Tunes world, and that's kind of the thing I love. And, yeah, Bugs Bunny's a complete shit, and he is in this cartoon. It's not my favorite of, of that, to be honest, but it has that kind of Paris food, Ratatouille kind of spin on it. It's kind of the one um, I'm going um, to be showing. So... Yes, with that, with the trailers, we are going to be getting into the first feature, Aristocats, uh, directed by one of the nine old men. Walt Disney Pictures presents a classic case of catnapping. They're gone! That's terrible. What's going to happen to us? The culprit is on the loose. He's the catnapper. The cats are on the run. Everybody out of here fast. But help is on the way. Charge! It's adventure, surprises, romance, and music. This is outrageous. It's scandalous. But most of all, it's quiet. It's delightful Disney fun. Um, So this was a childhood staple for you, I'm guessing, Chris. Yeah, my my grandma, she she had like a bunch of those, not like the super rare, rare, like clam cased VHSs that go for lots of money. But she had yes. like, you know, the clam cased, you know, Disney movies that said like Disney classics on there. Mm-hmm. We had like Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast and a lot of the yes. 90s Renaissance ones. But a few older ones were the ones I always watched the most. The first 
it was always Aristocats, 100%. Yes. But the other one was always like Robin Hood and Fox and the Hound. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, and Alice in Wonderland. Like it was yes. always those mm-hmm. in constant rotation. But Aristocats was always the one I loved watching the most. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I think I shared with the Internet a picture of me as a kid watching it in my grandmother's room, uh, living room. And uh, yeah, just <sighs> Aristocats has always been that movie um, for me, which is funny because it came out in like one of the least successful times of the Disney company in terms of animation and the most fascinating. Um, Yes. But I still think um, that period has some of my favorites of the Disney movies. Mm. Like we said, like, you know, um, we talked about Wolfgang Ritherman for a second, um, who's I think one of the most underrated um, uh, directors um, when it comes to just uh, animation and just like Disney. Um, I know it's animation and how do you disparage direction with animated films? You know, it's not like Scorsese or in like real people in film, you know, but it's, so for me, it's always kind of hard to differentiate that. But to me, when I see Wolf game Ritherman, I think of my childhood and nothing but instant classics, you know, sword in the stone, um, Aristocats, like we said, uh, Robin hood, he, the guy and he was an animator too and i and i and I, it just it just really nice to know like that art style was preserved because of him um and for people who didn't know like he was he went to fight in the in world war ii i believe and, and he came back and started working immediately like he did like uh like the, some of those early shorts um like the headless horseman one um, oh, I forget yes. what it's called. um yeah. he worked he worked on like winnie the pooh um and such early like um, staples of the Disney as an animator and then moves mm. his ranks up to directing into the 60s and 70s after Disney died and uh, kind of just spearheaded the rest of the time there until he kind of fell off with the Fox and the Hound, I believe, was his last movie. Um, but, yeah, I have nothing but respect for the works he directed because they are actually some of my favorites just growing up. I just love the clashing of the traditional old hand-drawn animation with the progression towards the the computer generate not you, you know it's like it's not high tech but like the animation is starting to look a little bit more you know filled in to what yes. we would get later on in the mm. 80s no you're right and i love the point you made about because um what disney movies you watched as a kid because everyone has about three or four Disney movies they used to watch in rotation because those are the ones that were available that were out of the Disney vault, I guess. Um, I, uh, as a kid in the 80s, I would go see whatever Disney movie was out that was just part of the diet. And I know I saw Aristocats once. I'd only seen it, I think I'd only seen it once, but some of the animation just stuck in my brain, like especially the, the, the kittens. Um, it was 1987 because I looked it up when the re-release happened, and so I would have been maybe eight, nine, I think. Um, and then, but mine were, um, yeah, because I had three that I used to watch on repeat a lot, and there were <laughs> definitely a lot of the older ones. Before I got older and then it was all Lion King and Aladdin, but it was Sleeping Beauty, Lady and the Tramp, and Alice in Wonderland. And mm. I just used to watch those, uh, I think it was a stage where I was almost renting them every week. Because <laughs> um, we had a mobile um, video um, rental thing that used to drive around the streets, and that's where I would get them from. So I'd go in and I'd go, okay, the, what do you have? Do you have those three? And if I'd get whatever he had, um, and I remember <laughs> being real, okay, I want to see Pinocchio again. I really want to see Pinocchio again because I had a memory of watching it in a theater and being terrified. Um, <laughs> and to the point where I would grab anything with Pinocchio on it. Unfortunately, not realizing that other 
animation companies could do their own Pinocchio and being so mm-hmm. disappointed um, <laughs> that it wasn't the real um, or the, the Disney version. Um, and so, yeah, it's everyone. I know. I just love it. You ask everyone what their Disney movies were and they're going to tell you three or four, whether it be, you know, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, or whether it's going to be some of the older ones. But yeah, it's just kind of incredible. Like I still can just, conjure up memories of things from Alice in Wonderland, which um, you picked in our um, pre-1970s marathon, which was perfect because that movie is so surreal, bright and weird. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I loved I loved Sleeping Beauty for those exact same kind of colors, though it's not as strange. Um, but yeah, I think that night, when you get into, after Walt Disney passes away, I think Disney goes into a really not successful period, but a, a fascinating period. Um, where, you know, Phil Jones becomes the voice of my childhood, like, because of him and Robin Hood, this, Mm -hmm. and, um, of course, The Jungle Book, which I think was just before he passed away, Um, or just this kind of thing where they get this very specific classic Disney style, but you can tell either they, it's a bit more filled in, it's a bit more, they're trying to move more forward technically, but they don't necessarily have the money anymore. And so especially when you get into that late 70s, early 80s, kind of thing before they had their renaissance again it's a really bizarre animation style we're looking at going oh this looks like disney but it doesn't feel like it and aristocrats kind of cats kind of feels like it sits on that edge because there's some beautiful layout work happening in this movie especially when you're in paris mm-hmm. um but then you can kind of see them not quite filling in everything they need to or there's a few kind of weird little they're repeating kind of motifs um, where kind of things are highlighted, not highlighted, but it's gives it this weird trippy texture that I really love. Yeah. It's cause they did the rotos. It's not, I think it wasn't technically rotoscoping, but I think it just was because they would just copy. If you watch a lot of like the Wolfgang Ritherman directed movies, a lot of the backgrounds are hand drawn, but they're basically copy paste of previous movies. Yes. Um, like you watch like the jungle book, um, you watch uh, Hundred Acre Woods. Uh, yes. Again, Aristocats, uh, yeah. especially the Sword in the Stone. Mm-hmm. Like the backgrounds look kind of similar mm-hmm. in their colors and design. It's because they basically trace over the old used ones and transfer it because Disney wasn't being as successful. They didn't buy Star Wars and in, in uh, the MCU yet. You know, like money was tight at times, but oh, they were thinking uh, of closing I, down the animation studio at the point, like in the mid '80s. Yeah. Well, they mm. did because I think Don Bluth had left, and then he was actually a direct competitor to them when he made an American Tale, yes. I believe. And then Ralph Baskin with um, Fritz the Cat was an insanely popular um, um, uh, animated film that came out as well for adults. Mm. But um, but yeah, it's just like in, an, in the 70s and the 80s, well, at least until you get to the 80s, it, it was a fiercely competitive scene for animation, and Disney kind of was like not doing the traditional princess and lover storylines. They were mm. doing more, more like old, like folk tale types or like original properties that like kind of felt the same though. So like you get like lady of the tramp with dogs, aristocats with cats, kind of the similar with scamp or not scamp. That's the sequel. Um, but, <laughs> uh, uh, with the tramp and, um, Thomas O'Malley, you mm. kind of get similarities there. You get the jungle book with these exotic creatures and you get the hundred acre woods with these kind of woodland similar creatures with yes. the human with them, with Mowgli and Christopher Robin. Mm. Um, you know, just like, there's a lot of slight similarities to these movies. Like I, I mean, 
Sword of the Stone looks almost completely the same as Robin Hood, you know, it really does. a different yeah. story, but in mm. character design. But like, I mean, again, animals are there. Yeah. Merlin and um, oh, I forget the owl's name in the <laughs> in the Sword of the Stone, which is another favorite of mine. Mm. I really like the least successful or lesser popular um disney mo- movies i'm starting to realize but like if you just say your favorites are usually the uh the renaissance one you're just a big fan of phil collins probably but those movies are great though too but don't get me wrong i just think it's uh i, I don't know i just it took me a long i never really got into early disney movies growing up like the sleeping beauty except for cinderella that mm. i stand cinderella growing up but uh uh, you know, you get things like that. Uh, Sleeping Beauty. I didn't watch till I was an adult. Pinocchio was another one of those. I was mostly watching these 60s and 70s um, animated films. And then, of course, the 90s. Um, but yeah, Aristocats is, uh, I feel like it's like the, not the outlier, but like it's the one where it's like, you know, this one's good. You should really watch this one. You know, it's kind of more of like an iconic one out of like some of their lesser ones. Besides, I, I would say Jungle Book is probably the next popular one or Robin Hood. Yeah, no, I love Robin Hood. Um, just because I loved, though I didn't realize that Robin Hood was almost a direct ripoff of the 1938 um, Errol <laughs> Flynn. Um, I only realized that after watching it. So thank you, Daniel, for making me finally watch the original Robin Hood. <laughs> and then I'm like going, this is the Disney character. They all, they really ripped this off. Um, but no, I think you're right about how in the 70s and 80s, it is such a fascinating, I love 70s and 80s Disney. Um, and I do think it gets forgotten because it's not the glamorous, gorgeous princess kind of ones that were big in the 40s and 50s. And it's not their kind of renaissance they had in the late 80s um, and 90s. It's kind of, but it's kind of this weird, amazing, because they were obviously directing directly with Don Bluth. And Don Bluth loved to use animals like American Story, um, mm-hmm. Story of Neem. I think that's what's called. Um, so they're always very animal centric, and you can see Disney going, "Oh, well, we'll be animal centric too." Mm-hmm. But in that, um, you get these amazing kind of things, and I think um, those are the the seventies and eighties Disney kind of really shaped in how my imagination worked as a kid. Um, because again, I had only seen Aristocats once, but I fully remember what um, O'Malley looked like, Duchess, the kittens, <laughs> especially how the kittens moved. Um, <laughs> was just i was just watching this going oh oh this is real i saw this once back in 87 what um and yeah it's just this kind of amazing how it kind of stuck in my brain and watching it this time i was just like going oh this is absolutely not familiar wait that joke is really familiar especially with the two hounds which i swear the (laughs) you somewhere else um or maybe that's why it's so familiar i'm the leader i'll say when it's okay I'll say it when it's the end of the movie. I love that bit. Um, right at the end. Um, and yeah, and it's just this kind of thing that because they use so many motifs, so again, again, it just imprinted again on your brain and it felt so, so, the Aristocats felt so, so familiar. Um, and yet, like watching in a new movie at the same time, it was a bit of a weird experience. And I think it's just because of how <laughs> they made their movies in the 70s and 80s. Um, but no, I think Aristocats is a great, fun little movie. Um, and I think people should watch it if um, it goes off. Oh, it's a freaking cat movie. But at the same time, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's the cat movie. But it's this kind of delightful little vignette kind of thing of this meandering little cool 100, uh, uh, 120 minute movie where you're just kind of 
some things will work for you, some things won't. Um, but it's kind of got all this texture to it, which I really loved. And this kind of weird little imagination working within the structures of what they were able to do. Um, no, it's it's a really fun little thing. And I think it's um, kind of the pinnacle of the 70s. It was the beginning of it. Um, I love Fox and the Hound, but I do find that movie difficult to watch sometimes just because I'm like, dude, stop being cruel to the animals. <laughs> Seriously. No <laughs> kidding. Like, I was the same way. <laughs> yeah. I remember when Disney Plus was the first thing I watched when Disney Plus, when I got Disney <laughs> Plus. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to finally watch um, Fox and the Hound again. <laughs> oh, Wow. Dude, seriously, stop it! Yeah, the thing Why about Fox and the Hound I love is in the first place. <laughs> I love how like they're friends and stuff. But as a kid, I always really understood the messages. Man, friends really do grow apart, don't they? I'm scared. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, life is dark and hard. <laughs> At um, least in Aristocats, though, like you understand, like so, like you know, classism. Um, yes. at an early age and like different cultures though you know this movie is canceled because of um, the stereotypes used for the different cultures in this movie I, I which i do agree with is a, it's pretty dated when that when you see those moments but at the same time kind of have to applaud it kind of shows how france really is in terms of like the amount of different cultures within that country um yes i'm so fascinated with france and its history i in college i wrote multiple i used france's culture as like my subject for like papers i would do um when it came to like their soccer and their heritage and and the different you know culture clashes they would have throughout their history and and this movie kind of solidified that for me you know knowing that like there's so many different types of french people you know like so many different immigrants like the cats you know are the rich french aristocats you know they're they're the you know the the royalty um and and they get to learn these things then you get like the alley cats and their different cultures you know and they're playing instruments and singing that are unique to their culture and then you kind of get thomas o'malley or excuse me abraham galacy giuseppe casey thomas o'malley (laughs) and he's kind of like the american in paris kind of cat because he's a tabby and he's just kind of like I don't know. Like he's just like the he's like the Bob Dylan. He's the Rolling Stone kind of cat. Like he 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 has so many different cultured names inside his name, but he has an American voice, I believe. Yes, well, it's Phil Jones being very Phil Jones. Um, yeah. No, I love it. You you made such an interesting point because I was just sort of watching it, going, "What is with Disney and the friggin' Siamese cats?" I mean, you have it in Lady and the Tramp, and then mm-hmm. this, um, which is like, oh, okay. Um, and but you're right it france has this amazingly diverse um especially cultural mm-hmm. history especially if you look in the 1920s when they had the explosion of um jazz and josephine baker and all this kind of amazing um multicultural kind of thing and france has always had this rich immigration history and at the same time there's always been this weird thing of not a, there's been a kind of this kind of weird movement in france where i don't i think it's I'm not sure how it is now, but they wanted the French to stay French. You couldn't add things to the language. They had Mm -hmm. like a review of it where they would basically go through the dictionary and say, this is French. So in the 18th, 19th centuries, when they were trying to unify France, they kept stamping out all these other little um, dialects. Mm -hmm. And so when you get um, a lot of the Algiers, 
Middle Eastern um, immigrants coming in who were melding um, this amazing hip hop uh, where you meld um, French with a few other languages. That's amazing, amazing music. But there's this mm -hmm. kind of thing of, well, that's not French because you're not speaking French. But you, when you look back through the history, I'm like, guys, you had this amazing thing where you're melding jazz and different things and everything like that. So it's kind of weird. And I think the Aristocats absolutely show that, especially when they get to meet, go to Paris and meet all the other um, uh, uh, alley cats who are the artists. They are the ones mm -hmm. hanging out in the cafes. They are the ones um, kind of creating new art and everything like that, even if you have the Beatles cat and the <laughs> Sarabee's cat and the Italian cat and the um, – the uh, Armstrong, Louis Armstrong cat, who was actually meant to be voiced by Louis Armstrong, but I think he was ill at the time. So they got yeah. scat man cousins. <laughs> and told him, yeah, go talk and you be Louis Armstrong for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love how he's just like, playing the trumpet and, and the, yeah i just love as a kid that that part that scene was always one of my favorites was saying everybody wants to be a cat yes um also i realized as an adult that this is totally a comfort movie for like the crazy cat ladies and men you know like who like adopt so many cats all at once because this rich lady is also doing it so it's like why do why is that a negative connotation the crazy cat lady when it's like the rich also do that too like she has no kids and has a butler and treats the cats like her kids you know it's like yes Let's and normalize that. Come on now. Exactly. And the fact that the whole thing kicks off is because she wants to, because this is based on an actual case <laughs> where a crazy cat lady did um, leave her money to her house full of cats. So this is what, there's a news article someone found. Um, and Disney approved it and then he died. <laughs> um, <laughs> that they were going to make this kind of thing. And the whole thing kicks off is because the butler finds out that the bulk of um, his uh, the his employer's money is going to go toward the cats, and he's going to get only. I don't think he hears the last bit that he's going to get a little bit, but he's not going to get the bulk of it. And he turns all greedy and goes, "No, no, I should be getting all that money, um, not the the freaking cats." And so, I love how his plan is just to take them away. He won't kill them, which is good because you should not do that to a cat. Um, but he just kind of pushes them out into the country so the lady would just think oh well they're not here i won't give leave the money she's, she's got a very short attention span if they're not in the house they don't get the money um but it's yeah it's that's kind of how the plot actually kicks off and then you just get these little kind of skits throughout the movie of them trying to get back to the house um but yeah it's just, that just kind of amused me i forgot about the whole oh she's gonna leave all her money all her wealth to her cats <laughs> And it's weird that her butler's an Englishman and she's French. Yes. You know? And then, like, you know, he's the bad guy. So the English are bad. And, well, the butler um, did it. Yeah. And it's, it, yeah, that's why I'm afraid to watch My Man Godfrey. It's like, it's probably a horror movie. <laughs> that's exactly but, what it is. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, you get so like yeah, this movie just has like so many like to me they're iconic like you get the the think geese walk and uh, you know they're English women like the English yes. twins and then and, and you get their uncle who's a who's a goose who's drunk all the time it's like this isn't a kids movie I love that I know and considering I, I've said it a few times how kind of horny this movie is because when yes. O'Malley first meets Duchess who's voiced by Eva Gabor um he's on her instantly and he's like flirting with her and she's kind of like going, well, she's being Eva Gabor who doesn't really, she's very breathy. And um, <laughs> he says the thing, oh, we're taking on a magic carpet ride. And I'm like, is that a euphemism? And then turns around and sees the kids and went, 
oh, oops. And they're like, can we go on a magic carpet ride too? And it's just this kind of adorable moment of him having to switch the meaning of whatever the magic carpet was. <laughs> you know, I really applaud Thomas O'Malley because he really – he does not run away from shouldering the responsibility of raising kids. <laughs> no, and what this double has in common is that adults generally want to be together. Um, and basically, it's it's bonking for the good of the kids. Um, <laughs> because both movies are start with single sort of parents who are going to be um, become a more norm, uh, more traditional two parent family unit. Um, and it's but they sort of start off because no, I, I really want to get it on. I want to get laid. This is, this is enough. Okay. But I'm going to have to do it for the children. So I'm going to have to do it in the correct way of becoming a family. And that amused me to no end. And, um, especially because, um, Duchess is just giving the eye throughout the movie. Um, she is just the flirtiest cat that <laughs> has ever been <laughs> created. It's kind of gorgeous. Yeah, this movie in this movie, like the the women hold all the power, which I I yes. thought was really cool. Like Madame is obviously super rich, and mm. you know nobody is in charge of her. Nobody. Duchess, you know, completely controlling of uh, Thomas O'Malley. Like he'll do whatever she wants. And oh, exactly. Um, yeah. And then same thing with Marie. You know, like she handles her two brothers Berlioz and Toulouse like very easily, and is very iconic for for like at least my sister growing up where it's like ladies can't start fights, but they can finish them, yes. you know, <laughs> and the amount of times I see my cat Jonesy licking herself like Marie does um, in the movie, <laughs> like pushing her coat up and rubbing herself down. It's like, Oh my goodness. Like calm down. Uh, yeah. So Marie is kind of annoyed me because she falls off everything and she is constantly <laughs> needing to be saved. It is just like, stay on one place. Stop falling over like she falls off the truck she falls off the bridge it's just like oh for god's sake Marie, stay put <laughs> I, um, I just always remember wanting to be as cool as thomas o'malley growing up you know it's like i want to be wanderlust i want to like have experience with all these cultures and stuff like that you know i want i need us i need a prequel movie um probably a live action one the way disney's doing it about mm. thomas o'malley um, and just like what he was getting into before meeting Duchess and the fam. It would be absolutely amazing because he is, as you're right, he is the typical expat American who has got this wanderlust who just wanders the world and just kind of gets into these amazing kind of adventures. He's kind of the, the writer, the, the artist, um, but he's very, um, he's very working class. I mean, <laughs> um, Phil Harris had the most working class anime mm -hmm. voice perfect. And he does, I mean, He's blue. He's little John and Robin Hood, um, and all this kind of stuff. But it's it just works perfectly, and um, yeah, it would be absolutely amazing to see all because he's he's just the guy who has adventures. And even when he's living at the um, house with um, the what's her name, the 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 old lady who owns the house, you can still mm -hmm. tell that he's going to go out and have adventures just because he's got a collar on. Now doesn't mean that he's a house cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it just for me it's the music too you know oh, like yeah. i feel like whenever a disney movie is talked about the music has to be a part of it mm -hmm. this one has kind of like maybe not as iconic but to but they're very memorable like i feel like everyone remembers the the thomas o'malley introduction and everybody wants to be a cat you know the, i don't everyone know wants just, to be, yeah the everyone wants to be a cat sequence is fantastic and it really just because disney's always been great at the music um they've always just known kind of you know to get the full collins in at the right time for freaking tarzan um 
or Alton John for The Lion King, or, you know, Tim Rice, or um, Alan Metcalf um, for a lot of the Renaissance stuff. Um, I don't know who did a lot of the music uh, for the earlier things, but they've just known, always known that the song has to be iconic for the movie, and it's always translated. And I, Everyone Wants to Be a Cat is such a fun sequence. Um, yes, I could have done without some of the stereotypes, especially the Siamese cat. Um, just because I own Siamese cats. I'm like, oh, that's not how I act. Um, and, oh, I grew up with Siamese cats, sorry. And um, it's, yeah, it's just this really fun, sparkling, trippy kind of moment. And it fits within the movie because it doesn't have to be uniformed because Duchess and the Kittens are having adventures with O'Malley and each segment is different with, you know, got the geese and then you've got something else and then you're going back to the butler um and it's all and there you go to this kind of cool jazz moment and it's just fun and it just livens up the movie in the best way yeah and and, you know it's a movie where it's kind of tongue-in-cheek with a few things for adults and and it's very entertaining for kids and it's not it's not going to be like one of the disney movies that like changes the world you know like in its iconicness but Mm. it's it's one of those like you know, it made a lot of money. It was really well, you know, received when it first mm. came out, you know, and I don't know, it just has just the right amount of elements for at least me to to always be worth a watch and always enjoy it every time, you know? No, it is a really, really fun, fun watch. And I agree. Cause it's a movie I would definitely go back to and, and watch because I think it has all those elements of you just settling in and going, ah, Yes. I mean, the animation is a bit rough around the edges occasionally, but that gives it this weird texture because everything else um, is so gorgeous. I mean, as soon as they get into that posh um, neighborhood and um, and then when they're in the, the, um, the, you know, running around Paris, it's absolutely beautiful. And it just catches that um, romanticism that the image of Paris always conjures up. And it's absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, is there anything else you want to say about the Aristocats before we move uh, on? No, I think everyone knows my love for it, and uh, if you don't like it, you should totally go back and rewatch it. <laughs> I agree, because it is a hoot of a movie, and um, actually one thing I want to say is I kind of loved um, Eva Kapoor's, um performance, because she never really changed the register of her voice, no matter what was happening. You know, her ki- <laughs> one of her kids falls off something, she's like, oh, Marie! Um, oh, <laughs> It's all the same, and I kind of love that because one is Eva Gabor, so it's kind of just how she was. But just, yeah, she's just this very calm, ladylike cat, and just she never raises really raises her voice, and she's like, "Okay, children." Um, and yeah, no, I I, I loved it. <laughs> yeah, it was a good impression of it too. <laughs> oh, Marie, I just <laughs> um. All right, so that. Aristocrats has finished. We um, are about to go into our the main event. Really, let's not let's not kid ourselves. Rugrats in Paris. Um, what would your first trailer be for Rugrats? Uh, mine would actually be National Lampoon's European Vacation yes. for this one. <laughs> this summer, when you think vacation, watch out, Carcarni. The Griswolds are going to Europe. Hey, Dad, look, bedpans. <laughs> This is your chance to travel the continent with them. Will you please slow down? The kids are exhausted. Hey, it's the close of the 15 minutes or 100,000 works of art to see. Come on. Create your own ruins. English, you're certainly a... 
<laughs> which for those wondering, yes, it does have nudity and it has sexual innuendos, but like it's still a funny, funny movie about Americans going and traveling across Europe. Um, the Griswolds. I don't know. I like European vacation a lot more than family vacation. Oh, um, fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Just like it, it kind of has some similarities to Rugrats minus, you know, the wholesome kid stuff. Um, well, if the if family if European vacation was told from a baby's point of view, I don't think there'd be that much difference, to be honest. Because <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite things about Rugrats is that you do get glimpses of what's happening in the adult world. Um, just these glimpses and it's always just like oh hello um no that is perfect i haven't seen that movie in ages but as soon as you said it i was like oh of course that is the perfect pick <laughs> <laughs> um well i'm gonna go completely different for my first pick um because i loved uh is it raptor in in rugrats mm-hmm. um i'm gonna go for uh pacific rim from 2013 we always thought alien life would come from the stars came from deep beneath the Pacific. What the hell is going on? The first kaiju made land in San Francisco. The second attack hit Manila. Then the third one hit Cabo. Then we learned this was not gonna stop. In order to fight monsters, we created monsters of our own. <laughs> um, because I have a sneaky suspicion that it is actually Rugrats that came up with drifting. Um, just, it's, yeah, just the whole kaiju element and the fighting of it is just, I was just giggling my head off. I was having the best time. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going for Pacific Rim. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and you get the henchmen saying a bunch of, um, um, like, uh, jabs at the babies in, like, a Parisian accent, which is nice. <laughs> found it after watching was i think it was john lithgow <laughs> yeah it was john lithgow <laughs> <laughs> so the next movie for me it's it's actually not french but it's italian um yeah. and it has to do with the asian culture coming in um to the western european country and i don't know it also it, i just chose bruce lee's way of the dragon is the next trailer for this what could be more exciting than bruce lee in enter the dragon Bruce Lee in Return of the Dragon. Yes, Bruce Lee is back, blazing his way from Hong Kong to hell in the all-new fantastic adventures of the superhero he created in Enter the Dragon. It's Lee Unleashed. Because... It has a lot of martial arts elements in this movie with Rugrats, and it takes place in Italy. (laughs) And Bruce Lee's, you know, not Italian. (laughs) (laughs) And there is an American in in Italy, in Chuck Norris, um, uh, which he fights in the Coliseum. Um, And it just has a lot of action. You know, I was thinking of putting a Jackie Chan film in there, but I don't know. For me, it felt like, oh, yeah, Bruce Lee in Italy, oh, Rugrats, in Paris, and, you know, both have martial arts in it. So, yeah, I would go with Way of the Dragon, which is a pretty solid film, in my opinion. 
I still have yet to see this, and I think I might have to bump it on my list. I didn't realize it was um, Bruce in Italy. Um, that sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. You, I would definitely probably buy the Criterion. I have it on the uh, a Scream Factory release, yeah. which is out of print. Mm. Um, but it's uh, the cat and these transfer dialogue isn't as good. Um, yeah. It's probably what the Criterion one would be since it's a couple years older. Awesome. I'm going to definitely have to check that out. Um, for my final trailer, I am going to go back to um, Disney and a bit more of a, well, I don't know if this is a classic, but it's maybe one of my favorites of the um, Renaissance. Um, but I'm going to go to the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Up there, high, high in the dark bell tower, lives the mysterious bell ringer. He lived a solitary life behind stone walls. Hey, Quasi, what's going on out there? A fight? A flogging? The Festival of Fools. All right, all right. Why? Women and some. Outside was a world he only dreamed about. I'd never fit in out there. Whoa! Until he met Esmeralda. Come with me. You're right. I'll go. Way to go, lover boy. I'm dying so swell. Mmm. Uh, I watched nice. it last night. Again, because I hadn't seen it. I don't think for a very very long time and i really really enjoyed um enjoyed it um i could have done without the gargoyles just because i love the seriousness and darkness and again horniness yeah um, i mean this movie is just about sexual harassment and sexual assault essentially uh, a lot of the time um but um it is such a beautiful looking i mean this movie is flaming gorgeous to look at and i just wanted to get something with the classic um Notre Dame uh cathedral in it because that of course it does play a part in in rugrats and just the um this movie tries to be so paris it hurts and i <laughs> kind of yeah i just really enjoyed it it is so beautiful look at the music is absolutely gorgeous um and it's just kind of got this atmospheric um the way the music kind of creates the atmosphere which unfortunately music in rugrats does not but i think it's still the um it just, yeah, if you haven't seen Hunchback for a while and only have a vague memory of it's kind of the starting downturn of the Renaissance, no, 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 go back and watch it. Okay, yes, the gargoyles are a little annoying, but they don't take up the whole entire movie. Um, and it's the part where Disney needed to have about 16 different sidekicks. But, um, no, it is absolutely a stunning movie. Good, yeah, I, I really like The Hunchback of Notre Dame, and, and that one's definitely not for the kids. Um, no. <laughs> It would also pair really well with, um, oh gosh, I'm blanking now. Like uh, with the Passion of Joan of Arc, which is another French film too. Yes, um, <laughs> I was actually thinking of the Devils because I just only just oh, recently yes. saw that for the first time, and the corresponding themes in that of like um, repressed sexuality and just kind of trying to be with this kind of very church orthodox um, thing is was a little bit too. I was like, whoa, guys really um but no the passion of john christ uh john of Arc would be absolutely perfect as well with it um because yeah. as all a catholic, those movies yeah you being catholic yeah that would be amazing uh, I, I i take great pride in those movies the devils <laughs> and the passion of john of Arc. a lot of <laughs> i also add spotlight to that too i, yes. I definitely recommend those <laughs> <laughs> it's because the worst that catholic catholicism have to offer but it's usually the stuff that i you really go this is good <laughs> Oh, the first time I watched, I was sitting in a theater watching Spotlight, and I had to go, Lindsay, stop smiling at the pedophile priest movie. Stop yeah. it. <laughs> this is 
no, I was scared. Smart. I was sitting at I was sitting at home reevaluing my whole life. I was like, I went to I went to a Catholic school for f- three, four years of my life, and I'm like, I'm watching Spotlight, and I'm like, this movie is really good. <laughs> it's like it's so everything about it is it's a perfect movie, and yeah. But I was just like going, please don't smile at this movie. You just need to be serious about it. It's a very serious <laughs> topic, but it's just like it's so good. <laughs> Um, and on that topic, we must well get into um, the very Genji rated um, uh, Rugrats in Paris from 2000. This Thanksgiving, say breathe. The Rugrats are going to Paris. For a family vacation in a strange and exotic land. Bonjour. Welcome to your reptile. <laughs> They're seeing new faces. Do you live in reptile land? Sure. Visiting new places. <laughs> and they're going to get the biggest surprise. I'm going to get some Bobby. And I bet she's going to be clean and cuddly and nice. Of their tiny little lives. <laughs> Where did those um now chris was this the movies were your introduction into rugrats or was it the actual series it was the series that was but what aristocrat it shares with aristocats with what as well for me growing up is like the i mean vhs's are so cool you know mm-hmm. this had a or the iconic orange video cassette uh, oh. was for this movie yeah. you get the iconic old disney clamshell cases for these vhs's mm-hmm. and like you know i I usually kind of go, man, imagine being one of those guys who collects VHSs when Blu-rays and 4Ks are coming out. But now I'm kind of like turning, winding back on that a little bit and thinking like, man, these are kind of cool, you know, <laughs> like having old school like VHS. It's not nothing as cool as like a, like a vinyl or anything, but yeah. the the memory of having them stayed with me. Same thing with Spider-Man from 2002. Um, I remember it being just a black cassette with the white background and just the Spider-Man name etched in on that blue font color. And uh, I always remember that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But for Rugrats, I I watched a lot of it as a kid. Um, And then also, I don't like watching in the 90s. I mean, I, I was too young to be watching those cartoons or remembering as much, but I started watching them when I was in the 2000s, mm. like the 90s anime TV shows I was watching. Um, Nickelodeon, I watched way more than like the Disney Channel um, or Disney shows, you know. They just didn't feel as, I don't know, I felt like it's weird watching like the Hercules TV show after watching Hercules, which was one of my favorites growing up too. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, he's like a teenager again and he's really thin and it's like, this is what he was doing before he became, you know, Zero to Hero? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but Nickelodeon was always very appealing to me. Like with SpongeBob, mm-hmm. you get Aristocat, yes. uh, sorry, um, Rugrats. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I was like not really cool with um like watching Hanna-Barbera cartoons growing up either you know so my only options were Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon which feel of the same vein as like DreamWorks in a way or it's kind of like the the counterculture clashing of like the cartoon and entertainment you know oh absolutely because um time Rugrats got to probably NZ it was I was probably maybe 11 12 um but I still remember vaguely watching it because it just sort of seemed a and I think a lot of early Nickelodeon 90s shows always seemed a little bit um, 
more clever than you expected them to be because it was always this little rough animation which i wasn't necessarily into because i grew up on the pristine disney and looney tunes <laughs> these kind of classic kind of animation styles and to sort of watch rugrats or two dumb dogs or um even ren and stimpy um which mm -hmm. was definitely for older um i was like oh god this is ugly but then you would kind of the scripts were really really smart and they would often hire um, like veterans of um, voice acting in, in them. So you kind of recognize the the voices and it was just this kind of, oh, this is actually a little bit smarter. So I remember definitely watching um, the original run of Rugrats. Um, never watched any, hadn't watched any of the movies. I was, a, I was probably just starting, finishing high school, just starting uni. So I was not, watching it this is my first watch of um paris um but no i do remember watching it and just kind of loving angelica like i'm like she's a little <laughs> she's awesome and i love her in this movie by the way I, the fact that this is all chucky and angelica i'm awful because those are my always been my two favorite um rugrats um but just to kind of have these uh babies kind of seeing everything from a baby's point of view and it is very very simpleized but you do get these little glimpses of what the all the adults are always going through and i love that because it kind of gives it this weird depth and if you are kind of being like oh yes they're arguing they've got money problems they've got all these kind of things that adults have to deal with but it's always in the background and it's always kind of just little touches of it which i always always loved yeah and for me at least growing up when a cartoon show or a tv show which it starts out as gets a movie that to me gives like a certified goaded status of sorts. It's like, it's got a following, you know, it's, it's got the financial backing. It can make a movie now kind of like the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, which is certified comedy gold. In my opinion, I will watch that movie all the time and laugh. It's like Kung Pao for me. You know, I probably oh. wouldn't watch it with like everyone, but like the select few who get it, Wild Thornberry movie, mm -hmm. uh, you just get like a lot of really cool, TV shows that end up getting a movie. And uh, I remember even as a kid, <laughs> so this tells you something. Um, and now rewatching it as, a, as an adult again, um, I, cannot I, I can't believe how much of movie nerds the animators for Rugrats in Paris are. Oh. It is insane the amount of references and subtle little things in the animation that they put in this movie that it's just nothing but a chef's kiss for me when I watch this movie now. And it's in a, it's in a, it's in a squeaky clean hour 15 20 yes. minute running time it is it slides so fast um by and it's like i want more usually after i watch this movie um uh, <laughs> like no, even just they, the opening is so iconic oh my god um i love it i mean even as a kid i loved when they put um adult movie references in kid shows like um anime animaniacs like the good like the good feathers and yeah. i loved that so so much they were constantly just referencing like all these movies, and as soon as you get, what do they call the Godfather? The, is it the Dog Father the, or something? The Bob Father. The Bob Father. Um, they as soon as you get Angelica being Marlon Brando <laughs> and Tommy giving the speech of like, you know, I love I love playgrounds. It is my thing. But and I'm just like going, oh yes, please. I this is my jam. As soon as you get um, kids movies referencing adult movies, I am like all over it. And then the fact that. <laughs> Angelica watched two scenes of The Godfather and what she got out of it is like, this guy grants wishes, he's a badass and gets free stuff. 
Yes, I am now the bald father. <laughs> yeah, I love how their parents are dancing, and she's like, I can't believe Angelica watched this movie last night. And she's like, it could have made an impression. She only saw one scene or two. And I'm like, yeah, that's every kid that I know is like childhood now. You know, it's like, I, 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 I this movie is sick, and it's toxic, and it's gross, because it's pushing an agenda that is to watch movies, adult-themed yes. movies yes. that are cinema classics. It's disgusting. I can't believe Nickelodeon tried to do that to us. I know. I mean, how dare <laughs> it work. To watch the Godfather and um, oh, the. Uh, did you the, notice? Did you notice the carpet in the in the in the dance on the dance not outside the dance floor of that community center that they're at? It was yes. the same pattern used at the Point Outlook Hotel in The Shining. Yes, it did. <laughs> like I was like, what the hell? I know that textured carpet from anywhere, and I'm oh, like, it's just the all these little bites, like um, a few good men when it's in the, yeah. the, the reference. Um, <laughs> There's of course Godzilla right at the um yeah. the end um with the with the robots and it's just full of these little kind of references that if you know these movies um you're going hey there's a there's a thing and it just kind of it was my favorite part of it to be honest <laughs> apart from um Chucky and, and and oh my god Angelic is so great in this movie the fact mm-hmm. that she is kind of the again the butler of the whole thing. <laughs> And she's, she does it to get afloat with matching ponies. It's just, and the fact that an adult listens to a three-year-old, and <laughs> it still amazes me. Even in this movie, I'm like, which is a kid's movie, so you kind of have to have the kids central. But I'm just like, Susan Sarandon, who plays Coco, the villain. Um, oh, by the way, the whole plot of it is is that Tucky's dad has decided that he wants to re- kind of get back in the game. He's a single dad. Um, they go to Paris, and... You've got this malicious businesswoman um, who's has to prove that she's a family-oriented person. So she's going to try and marry Chucky's dad and be the new mum to Chucky to get promoted. And um, it's Angelica who sort of says, look, I know the perfect dude you could marry, but I want <laughs> something out of this. I need a, my own float with matching ponies and I get to be the flower girl. And I'm like, you go, Angelica, you go. <laughs> I, love she, I love how she's like, my mom always says that Mr. Chucky's dad is so desperate, he'd say yes to the first girl who pops the question. Yes! And I'm like, yeah, we were all that desperate at one point, weren't we? Yeah. <laughs> 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 and I love I love how when he meets um uh what's her name? Kiera. Um yes. the, 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 the another love interest of his in the movie. Um she asks them, is this the first time in Paris? And he goes like in France, no. Yes, but I've been to Paris, Texas, and then it, it, it cuts off. And I'm like, is that a is that a Paris? Texas from Wim Wenders movie reference right there too, which is also about, you know, a separated couple or a father with a mother and son um, movie premise. I don't know if you've seen Paris, Texas. I have. And I just put that together when you said it, I was like, Oh yes, it is. (laughs) I'm telling you the freaking animators of this movie and this, the movie, right? The storyboarder, like these guys are certified film nerds. Like Rugrats in Paris is legitimate cinema. It Um, is. It really is. Um, because yeah, I think it is. Because because I didn't click. I went, oh yeah, because that's a that's a cute joke. But then, then you said, oh, there is actually the Paris, Texas, and it is about a dad trying to reconnect with his son and you know come back. And I'm like, holy shit, you're right. <laughs> this is the, the Rugrats in Paris might be pure cinema. It, it, it might it, be. 
Yeah. And on and, and all from all for my single boys out there, this movie introduced me to what uh, internet dating is too. Um <laughs> and uh, I love how when Chaz is reading the the bio of one of the girls who whose bio says she's not allowed in the state of Kentucky, sounds like a green flag instead of a red flag cuz who the hell wants to go to Kentucky? Um, I know. I was thinking the same thing but at the same time I was like what did she do? I'm like, actually, there's probably a lot of things she could have done to get back. Yeah, it's like, Kentucky. it's like, great. You don't have to go to the state that Mitch McConnell runs. It sounds yes. like a good, good win-win right there dating no. this person. Um, um, no, it's, yeah, date that person now. Um, it's, yeah, it's, I love, again, you get these little glimpses of um, the adult world, like the internet dating. And I love the scene where Chucky's kind of, because you start at a wedding, because this is obviously the godfather. <laughs> oh, at a wedding um and chucky's kind of what and they have this moment of parents dancing uh parents dancing with their uh kids the dancing mom? with their mothers yeah and, which is an oddly specific dance very specific dance yeah <laughs> and you so you've, of course you, you get chucky whose mother has passed away um kind of looking sad and deciding that all right i want a new mom angelica dog bob father make this happen and she's like, oh, God, I don't know. Um, game's over. I don't want to play this anymore. And then, of course, you get his dad, who's kind of looking at the families as well, but going, oh, I would like, actually, I I, I need to get back in the game. I'm I'm alone. I don't like being alone. Um, I need someone to be. I want to be. I want to be with someone. And it's, it's this kind of really sweet moment. So, yeah, when he is kind of dating Coco, it's kind of ridiculous because, again, he is that desperate that he will be with anyone who pops a question. And she kind of is not hiding that she hates him that well. <laughs> yeah, she, he he's so oddly attached to all those kids, even though he only has one kid. Yes! Um, it's like, okay, dude, like, have a different personality besides, like, loving the kid. I mean, he's probably a good guy, Chaz Fincer, but yeah. um, Coco, I've always thought was like... She, you know, she's a career woman. She doesn't have time to be meddling with kids and in a in a spouse, you know. So like, good for her. Like, she knows her spot. She knows her role. But um, and then yeah, I love how because <laughs> it's it, it's cool that like it's in France, but it has such an Asian culture, Japanese culture to it. Like yes. you see the iconic wave um, being as part of like the, yeah. the, the amusement park and uh, you get security guards being ninjas and reptar obviously being a Japanese um um replacement and uh it just very very um japanese culture with french culture and it's so cool to see and the jokes are there too because like they go to a sushi bar in france with uh karaoke sumo wrestlers I love- did you know one of them was, <laughs> did it, it was tim curry <laughs> yeah i saw that in the in the credits i was I like know. huh <laughs> tim curry is a singing sumo <laughs> it's very random um no i love because there's um there's always been this kind of weird mixing between um, Japanese and French culture, especially in the 19th century, uh, in the early 20th century. They Each country had a really big fascination with each other. Like um, the Japan has this – there's a weird kind of thing of a lot of Japanese people loving everything to do with France. And, in fact, when they go to Paris for the first time, they have – there's an actual – medically logged condition i can't remember what it's called but they actually will have this kind of mental breakdown because they finally get to paris but it's not exactly what they expected mm-hmm. it's like it's a city it's a running city and people don't always have time for you like oh i'm in paris and stuff they're like okay whatever i live here it's it is what it is 
Um, and also in the 19th century, the French had this amazing um, thing where they would um, loving French art, um, writings, everything like that. And it kind of got woven into their kind of stuff as well. So the kind of the mixing of it was so cool. And to sort of go in, I'm like, oh, it's going to be in Paris. It's going to be Eiffel Tower, all this kind of stuff. And no, we're in a sushi restaurant. We are very much within this Japanese kind of culture thing with the sumo wrestlers and the ninjas and the everything else and the raptor. And it's kind of cool. It's kind of got, um, yeah, this blending that gives it something I wasn't expecting because I was honestly just expecting it to be pure France, and it's not, and I love it. Yeah, and you get the Baja men with the Who Let the Dogs Out, which is maybe the most iconic track of the 2000s as well. Yes, I could have, oh, yes, (laughs) Baja men, and they repeat it multiple times. Um, (laughs) You know, when you do get your actual typical Paris adventure, it's with the dog when he sees the poodle. Mm-hmm. And um, they eat pizza. <laughs> and they eat pizza. And they and like Lady and the Tramp. And um it's just very sweet. And that's kind of when you get them all walking along the Seine and, and that kind of thing. So that's kind of where you get your Paris kind of moment. But it's actually the babies having to get chased by ninjas a lot of the time. And I uh, yeah, no, it is just really, really fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's 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 just like uh it's just a movie that just, I, I mean, I, I did realize watching this now, I was like, man, way to have a plot device being centered around the mom dying, you know? It's like, oh, yeah. How dark is that for a kid's movie? Um, but it kind of, like, shows, like, you know, the 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 upside of, like, remarrying step-parents, you know? You kind of usually think of, like, negative connotations at times um, or, uh, um, you know, other types of things when it comes to step-family or whatever. Um this movie kind of shows like hey like you know this can really help some kids growing up like you know missing a parent well you know a a kid starts to notice that at a certain age you know like the 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 non-inclusion of having that so it's really sweet to to kind of explore that and kind of positively affirm that this is like a part of life that's okay you know because it totally could have been Chaz and it's funny we're talking about Rugrats. It could have been totally fine with just Chaz being the ultimate oh, cool dad with his son and him having a good supporting group of friends and family. But like, um, you know, finding different culture, going to different cultures and experiencing them with respect and, you know, finding genuine true love and, you know, someone else who's single without a parent with a kid and kind of putting those together. I've always thought as a kid that was always really sweet, you know, to see even like growing up. I was like, oh, that's really sweet. Um but man, they really harp on the mom dying. Oh my god! Yeah, it <laughs> and is. They just... push the religion on me too. They're saying she's in heaven, yes. and then they're like, she's looking down on us. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but what? <laughs> no, it's it's kind of a weird thing because one, you got to explain to your kid. I think it's just the easiest way. Oh, she's in heaven. She's still with us. Mm-hmm. But what I love about this movie is that, or what I found really fascinating about uh, Rugrats in Paris, it kind of has everything both ways. So it has to, it sort of forces the traditional family unit or one of two parents, because it could have had, because obviously the series or the earlier series had Chaz as the cool kind of single dad who had the good support network because all those babies just belong to the same family. I think they just pick up one baby and they don't really mind who's which baby it is in that in that group. It's just a lot of babies. Um, and but at the same time, it kind of goes into the whole blended family, the different cultures. Um, actually, you know, the good thing, the good side and the bad side of having a step parent like Susan Sarandon is the ultimate wicked stepmother. <laughs> she yes. is. 
Yeah, and they really forced the dead mum, which is just like, holy shit, and the whole bear thing. And the first thing she does is just when she's like, okay, this is, I have to deal with this orange head kid now, is that she takes away the bear. And that is like, a, ooh, no. And um, and then, of course, um, well, the, the other, the nice lady, the Japanese lady, oh, what's her name again? Kara. Yeah. First thing, she, when she does is she gives it back to him. And it's this kind of... So it does it both kind of ways. So she's the great stepmom who's going to come in and who's going to help raise Chucky and be this mother figure. And she's also acknowledging, oh, you had a mother and that mother is still important. And as Chucky says at the end, I get two mothers now. And it's kind of, yeah, it plays both sides of the fence um, really well, actually, because by the end of the movie, I nearly got misty when he was dancing with um her at the end um as you know uh finster picks up um kimmy and then and then the dancing happens at the end and it was just this really sweet moment of blended families which is great and it sort of celebrates that so it kind of celebrates every single kind of thing at the same time where there's placating everyone, say someone who wants their kids to see a traditional family, they're going to get that because it's going to be the two-family union, but also kind of going, oh, here's the blended family and here's what this can look like, while it's also giving you the wicked stepmother. So it's kind of, yeah, it's it's covering all its bases, but it's doing it so well that you don't feel that it's kind of, oh, they're just doing everything kind of thing. Yeah, and it sense. just shows, like, from, like, again, from the point of view of a kid, yeah. you know, yes. it shows, like, Maybe this maybe toxic parents should watch Rugrats in Paris and maybe they'll realize how awful they are and change their lives better for their kids. Exactly. Also, in this movie at the end, they rip off um Coco Labouche's wedding dress, which looks very expensive, and you see yes. her underwear, and I'm kinda like, as a kid, like, that's totally fine too. Like, yeah. my goodness. <laughs> I was like, oh, that is not, I would, that is really nice underwear. So I was like, where can I buy that underwear? Because I am all over that. Um, it's really, really nice. Yeah, it's really classy. It's really pretty. And um, But no, one thing um, I loved about the pairing, actually, because Aristocats is from the point of view of the cats. So you're kind of, um, and what I love about 70s and 80s um, Disney movies, as I kind of imagine them in the same universe, as like the Rescuers and um, the Great Mouse Detective. Um, that they're all kind of this sub-world of these animals who are kind of this parallel universe. They know the humans are there, but they kind of have their own thing going on, their own language, which is with the Aristocats. The, the Rugrats is, does a very similar thing. You're seeing everything from the baby's point of view um, because they've got their own little world and culture going on. And, um, no, it, it worked really, really well. Yeah, it, it does. And, and I think that's why, like, they're so iconic. Mm. Um, you know, at least for me, Rugrats is one of the childhood staples of cartoons for me. Um, and that, you know, that that intro song, of course. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just, I, Rugrats is just one of those things. And, and the Rugrats in Paris, to me, is such an easy watch. Mm -hmm. Kids movie. It's like, as an adult, I don't have any problems watching this movie, <laughs> you know? And I, I still was laughing, like, when Angelica's, like, pulls up. He's like, what is it with you kids and poop? And then yes. she's like... Tom was like, oh, geez, like, where do I begin? <laughs> oh, my God. And, like, the... and they're playing, like, with the Badeau, you know, they're like, whoa, a toilet that shoots back at you. And I'm like, i probably do the same thing. <laughs> oh, my God. Chucky's line of, like, oh, my God, I already shoot on myself enough as it yeah. is. <laughs> <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> the twins feel a little, a little trash monsters. Like, the, the <laughs> amount of bodily fluids that come out of them, I just like, 
oh my god i don't know it just that's the side of being a parent i've never been able to don't think i could ever cope with on my the amount of things that come out of your orifices i don't think i could handle it that well yeah, and they just oddly attracted to um robo snail which i'm like yes. i'm sorry what <laughs> is happening but just the like farting bubbles and just you know carrying a bag of vomit someone else's vomit not their own someone else's it's just i'm like oh my god um <laughs> but they find it funny because they're babies and that is the kind of jokes that they kind of love and i get that and that is kind of their whole life because they are leaking they are vomiting they are spitting they are putting their hands on everything so this is the kind of their their world and um i kind of just love how they just went for it i was just like going oh my oh god um and yeah this is a cheeky movie there's a lot of tongue in cheek in very tongue in cheek and i love how gross it's willing to go <laughs> especially with the <laughs> well it's because like, it's nickelodeon like their yes. whole thing is slime you know <laughs> exactly and there's a lot of slime in this movie um and yeah, so when you think it's all, it's all very serious, it's like, no, 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 there's there's going to be Phil finding a something bubble. I don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> Lil being really impressed. Like, you can fart bubbles? <laughs> Didn't they know you could do that in the bathtub? <laughs> it's just... <laughs> Uh, yeah i just I, it's just it's just such a great movie and uh we've all had a sibling that's like angelica at least every time i watch a uh, the reg rats i'm always like oh this reminds angelica reminds you of this specific person yes. and it's like i love it but don't at the same time <laughs> oh i love her so much are you kids like her um you just like i'm in charge and this is what's gonna happen and i'm out <laughs> number one um because you've probably even been Angelica at certain moments when you feel like, oh, right, I have power as a kid. It's like, right, how do I wield this? Um, and though I do want to ask a question. Um, did you watch, because you are a big, you are one of the biggest Godzilla fans that I know. Um, you love all, you do love French movies. You do love um, a lot of Japanese movies outside of Godzilla. Um, did you watch Rugrats in Paris first? So to, to, is to plant the seed for this, or were you watching this and going, oh, I recognize all this, I already love it, this is why I I love it, because it's such a crisp movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a kid watching it, it like I rem I could quote it like a lot of the movie, like it was just so like even like the odd part where the flight attendant's like, oh look, annoying baby who lost who lost its toy, unfortunately the. Uh, the union prevents me from picking it up. That's a job for your mommy. You know, it's like, I like remember odd things like that, that didn't always click, but like, I know it means something, you know, cause there's a lot of parts like that in the movie. Um, I don't know. I just, it's always been, I've always remembered like, this is so many things that shouldn't be together, but they are, you know, and not knowing why they were. And, um, I knew about Godzilla growing up as a kid. So like Reptar was always kind of that cool fascination like Tommy has with it and all those kids like I did with Godzilla. Uh, unfortunately, my Reptar was Godzilla 98 growing up for the yes. most part. <laughs> <laughs> but I still had the toy and I loved it. Um, and then like, I don't know, just watching Aristocats, like it's the it's like the traditional old um, French music, like the 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 like the classic French music that plays in these movies, especially like yes. Aristocats. And mm -hmm. you get a little bit of that um, in uh, the Rugrats movie. I always liked that sound. It was always very calming to me. Um, it's when you listen to French jazz or, um, um, you, you know, you kind of listen to some of that, like Midnight in Paris is like the epitome of that for me and really, like yeah. some Cole Porter, you know, but 
Yeah, I don't know. Rugrats is like Unpairs oddly is like one of those movies where it kind of has a little bit of everything that I love of about like movies in general. Yes. And now as an adult, I can appreciate how cheeky it is about other film, like serious film yes. <laughs> that it's yes. in. And anytime a kids movie can reference anything like that, I I can only applaud the the producer the produ- the production team and the animators and the storyboarders for it because it's like they knew what they were doing and they knew some idiot like me was going to catch that and I applaud that. <laughs> no, it is cuz as soon as it started with the Godfather, I'm like going, "Oh, well, yes, I can see why Chris likes this cuz yeah, it's it, they're referencing Coppola right off the bat." And then of course, <laughs> then I because I completely forgot about the Raptor element because it was always Tommy's favorite toy in um mm-hmm. in the show and they kind of expanded on that and then the japanese and then the french and then everything else and i was just like going i can see why chris loves this movie it's got all these elements like i remember the first time i saw edward i was maybe uh... about 12 and i hated it i was just confused by it and i wish i could go back and go um or maybe it was 14 anyway i wish i could go back and just say no 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 you are going to love you are going to love this because this has everything you love in it but for some mm-hmm. reason you just do, don't know that yet but just watch it again and you will realize this has literally everything you love in this one movie. <laughs> and because, um, yeah, every time I watch, I'm like, why did I not like that? Was it because it was black and white? I, I don't get it. Um, and yeah, and sort of watching it, I could just imagine you just watching this and going, ah, this has, this was movie was made for, this was movie almost seems it was made for you in a certain respect. Yes. When I was like eight or nine years old, I already knew right then there. I was like, I'm going to be one of those pretentious film Twitterers whose only favorite films are the new wave of the sixties, French cinema and the avant-garde of art house. It's like, I knew right away, but you know what? If you think that's like, I'm only one dimensional in that way, you're probably right. Cause most of my favorite movies are French or have some aspect of French cinema. Um, for the, like the Atkins Undisputed fans and the, um, you know, I know Matt Blutz is a big martial arts fan too. You get some Jackie Chan references in this movie with Chucky Chan and you get some martial Dude. arts aspects to it. It's kind of badass. And you had that Jackie Chan TV show coming around out around the same time too. Was there a Jackie Chan show? I didn't, I completely missed yeah, it. Yeah, there's a Jackie Chan show where he had like, like elemental stones and he actually was in the voice acting for it. It was awesome. that is so cool i did not know i'm gonna have to um take that makes sense though Yeah, it was really fun. Like, I remember watching it a lot as a kid. So I probably I did watch that and knew about and like watch like uh, what was it Shanghai Nights? (laughs) Yes, with with Owen Wilson and um, uh, Rush Hour. You know, I watched those all before like Police Story, unfortunately. But now that I've seen some of his art horse movies, I understand why he got so popular. Oh yeah, you just you kind of watch Police Story and you're like, how are you not dead? I know this is a lot of safe, like, well, not all of it, but it's just like, how are you not still alive? I don't understand. Yeah, I, um, I mean, police the Police Story. The, I I haven't seen the fourth one in like the Crime Story, um, yeah. serious aspects of the other. Of, I mean, there's so many different ones that come out after the original too. Mm-hmm. But I would say Police Story one through three are certified gold like i love those three police story movies they're, they're so good <laughs> i would say police four is worth it he actually goes to australia and there's got the most amazing ladder fight sequence that you'll it's he's doing things with the ladder. He's, it's really really fun and it kind of builds up the stereotype that when you go to a hotel you'll have koalas in your room which um <laughs> i would not recommend because those buggers are loud when they want to be <laughs> and quite smelly um but it's yeah it's um it's actually worth a watch it's a lot of fun it's much more goofy i would say than the first three um and then the other ones i think there's only one i haven't seen which is the latest one but then after that they get very very serious 
Uh, well, you have um, to watch uh, Police Story 4 and um, The Rescuers Down Under for your Australian double. Yes, I think that is <laughs> must. Um, yeah, anything else you want to say um, about Rugrats? Uh, other than if you can, if you have a copy of the orange cassette, mail it to me because I will play, pay a handsome dollar for that. I will. I will. I will keep it. <laughs> I know the only VHS I own is Gremlins 2 because I want it in a something, um, which I probably <laughs> display. Everyone goes, why do you have that? I'm like, because it's a VHS of Gremlins 2. I don't understand. Um, and um, yes, so that was our double feature, which was absolutely brilliant to watch. Um, I'm so glad I finally got uh, finally got around to watching a Rugrats movie because, again, like a lot of Nickelodeon from the um, 90s and early 2000s, it's smarter than you think it's going to be. Um, they just had some really great writers. Oh, I just want to shout out some of the voice actors um, in it, like uh, E.G. Daly, uh, Christine, the great Christine Kavanagh, who um, unfortunately passed away far too soon, Cheryl Tra- Chase, um, even Tara Strong plays Dill in it, um, who has gone on to do Powerpuff Girls, um, uh, My Little Ponies, um, Titans and Titans, uh, Teen Titans Go. Um, she's like the queen of kind of um, voice acting in those kind of shows. Again, shows that are probably way smarter than you think they're going to be. Again, I think they're all Nickelodeon. Um, so, um, yeah, I just, it's got one of those kind of depth of casts in it, I think, um, that you just kind of have always grown up with but never realized who they were, which is almost my favorite kind of cast for a, um, an animated movie. <laughs> Um, so with that, Chris, please tell people where they can find you. Plug away, plug away anything. Yeah. So if you, um, if you want to follow like some of my insane opinions, I'm, I'm usually more active on Twitter. Um, you can follow our podcast, uh, inside the sequel at inside sequel on Twitter. If you want to follow me personally for unrelated content, um, that's at hertastic underscore Chris. Mm-hmm. I definitely recommend if you ever have thoughts of being on the show or, um, recommendations you'd like to hear, please email us at sequelpod at gmail.com. Um, we're going to be, uh, depending when this comes out, um, we've already put out our July lineup, um, for July 7th, we're going to have, um, our first episode, um, going to be on, uh, I'm blanking right now. Oh, it's uh, <laughs> prom night. Hello, Mary Lou, um, prom night two. Yes. Which features Doug McCambridge from, um, good times, great movies. Um, so yeah. I'm really excited for that. So yeah, definitely follow us there. Also, her tacit reviews is also on YouTube, and I recommend uh, checking us out there. Yeah, no, I recommend all those, and I'm really looking forward to the Hello Mary Lou episode because that <laughs> is one of the great sequels. I think um, it is such a fun sequel and goes completely off off the rails in the best kind of way. So um, <laughs> that is going to be great. Um, yeah, if. Um, you want to, if you like Schlock and All and want to follow it, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Schlock and All One. Um, yeah, and or on all the um, podcast podcast apps that um, I think that are around. So that is cool. Um, yeah, if you have any um, requests for the show, just um, hit me up on Twitter um, and let me know. I do have an email, Schlock and All Movies at Gmail, but I don't think I've checked it in a little while. So um, just be, if it takes a while for me to get back to you. That's why I'm really useless at that. Um, but yeah, if you like us, please rate and review. Um, apparently that does help the show quite a bit. Um, and yeah, thank you again so much for listening. And we will be back with a, another double feature next week. Um, at Christmas has been a blast as always. Um, I always love talking movies with you because it's the 
it's always the best. Um, and yeah, we'll be back with another double feature next week. Okay, cool. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.